Hello and welcome into the Section 109 podcast. It's your host, Breezy, and Matthew. And the heater just turned on, on right. Te- heater just turned on right behind me, which I'm sure is lovely noise for the listeners. Uh, Toby is in the office with me, and we are doing our first non-in-person uh, thing in quite a while because Matthew is in legislative session season. And so you are at a hotel room in what city? Uh, coming to you live from Nashville, Tennessee. We're not live, just kidding, but... Nah, kind of. You're live to me right now, at least. I am live to you right now. And honestly, the the, the turnaround time here will be pretty quick, so... Yeah, absolutely. So you're coming back tomorrow? Uh, I don't know. We'll see. Cool. Well, we're going to do this thing... It's, le- that- it's, legis- it's legislative time. Yeah, it's true. You never know. You never know with you. All right, so we're going to do this thing uh, that we decided we were going to do this year, which is to give a review for every single game. Now, that might mean one review for each game. It might mean if we have two games in a weekend, like a men's and a women's game, we might do one review for two shows. I don't think we've quite, or one review show for two games, rather. I don't think we've quite figured out exactly what we're going to do. But the goal is to have review content for every single game. So first game of the season, preseason game against Atlanta United. And guess what? Here we are. So before we talk about what happened, uh, here's here's what we're going to do. This is our thought currently. It's the first one. So if you hate it, let us know. If you love it, also let us know, please. Uh, game review. We're going to go lineups and then what happened, talk through the game, and then we're going to have three key takeaways that kind of each host has, little opinion pieces. And then we'll do final thoughts and maybe whatever other news, and then we'll get on uh, get on down the road and aiming for these to be a little shorter than our normal rambly episodes. Miss anything? I think all the listeners would appreciate that. Yeah, I'm sure. So, all right, Matthew. Uh, so let's just start at the beginning, or I should say start at the uh, the end and then go back to the beginning. If you didn't watch this game, it's on YouTube. You should turn this off right now. I'm going to give you five seconds to turn it off and watch before I give you the result because it's awesome. All right. the It was 3-3 final, and that was completely unexpected. Matthew, how did you feel about it? Um. Preseason matches should never be taken too, too seriously. Uh, and and I, I want to emphasize that. I don't think CFC fans should put a lot of stock in what happened against Atlanta. I don't think Atlanta fans should put a lot of stock in what happened uh, in, in the match. I, I think the team has been together for, for two weeks. Uh, Colin Stripling was signed and arrived maybe two days before the match uh, altogether. Uh, you you saw a bunch of trialists, so you can throw out really you can throw it out an entire half, uh, and and I think we may as well throw out mo- just really all of the second half. Maybe we talk about a couple of performances that are interesting because uh, I do think there was one one really good performance there in the second half, uh, and we can focus on the first cap uh, the, the first half, uh, but it's preseason and and I don't want anyone to get draw too many conclusions, uh, overly, overly uh, predict uh, a, a long regular season based on 45 minutes in preseason, even though those 45 minutes in preseason look pretty good. Yeah, so um, let's, let's, let's just dive yeah. straight in and talk about those. I agree with you, but also uh, I've watched the game like six times. on. Uh, it's just been on repeat in the house as I've been moving into this uh this new thing and getting everything organized and whatever else. And so I am not going to calm down. I am not going to be rational about this. We're winning the world cup, Matthew. 
that the Chicago Fire should have won. Wow. Okay. That's that's aggressive. That's aggressive. All right. So it is Atlanta United versus Chattanooga. It's the third most important game of Atlanta United's history. The first being uh, the Open Cup game they got to play against Chattanooga. The second being their inaugural game against Chattanooga. And the third being this game. Um, I'm going to go through our starting lineup, and then I'll let you do their. Uh, I'll let you do the second half starting lineup once we get to it. How's that sound? Works for me. So we we had new uh, goalkeeper Jean Antoine, and by the way, everyone's calling him Gene. I listened to the uh, post uh, post game press conference with Rod, which was excellent. If you haven't seen that, there's one with Marcus, there's one with Rod. Go listen to those on YouTube; they're really cool. But uh, he called him Gene. Uh, somebody else called him Gene on something different, so I don't know. But I'm gonna call him Jean Antoine because it feels like that feels right until I get to talk to him, and then I might get I might find out I'm an idiot. Uh, so Jean Antoine in goal, and boy is he a big boy. And we'll get back to that. Um, right back trialist Jung Woo So. I hope I'm pronouncing that correct. If not, my apologies. Um, a converted midfielder at right back and trialist starting as Atlanta United, which I love that. A uh, right center back. Welcome back. Welcome home. Colin Stripling, left center back, Ethan Corrin, and left back, Joseph J.P. Perez. So he goes by J.P. We have three players, by the way, on this roster with the initials J.P., so that's going to be interesting. Not in this starting lineup, but I just mean on the CFC roster so far. Uh, in a 4-3-3, continuing, going to the midfield, we have central defensive midfielder slash 6, Richard Dixon. Center midfielder, 8 slash 10, Alex McGrath. 8 slash 10, Mutaya Muwape, who goes by Mumu, and will henceforth be known most often on this show as Mumu. Uh, right winger, Damian the Kid Rodriguez. Left winger, Ale Jaimez. And striker, Marcus Nagelstad. All right, Matthew. Let's uh, let's go through some of the timeline of this game. And I know we didn't do some... I know last season we did some like minute-by-minute minute breakdowns. We're not doing that this time, but let's talk about some of the big moments. And they pretty much all were in the first half. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Yeah. So big moment number one for me is uh, is Jung Woo So getting the start uh, as a trialist at right back. Uh, Jonathan Partita was not available uh, because of an injury. And uh, I think you would have seen Partita start, and obviously, uh, if he was healthy. So it was really interesting getting um, moving a trialist in and having uh, having him on the field in the first half. And I'm, honestly, I thought I thought he had a pretty good performance. Uh, I just wanted to note that real quick. Uh, obviously, the the absence uh, of Taylor Gray, I think, was noticed. Uh, with Ali Jaimez getting the start at the left wing, uh, Gray had picked up a knock. He's going to be, um, he should be back ready to go for, uh, for the next round of preseason, which will, which will start in a week uh, as they head into the second preseason match uh, at Memphis. Uh, getting into the game. I thought that, that from the first whistle, uh, I was kind of expecting to see Atlanta high press and like, you know, try to put some fitness in, in in their legs early on. And they didn't really do it. It looked like Gonzalo Pineda, the Atlanta head coach, has has settled on a defensive scheme uh for the for the the, the plan for the season uh of more of a mid block, less less high pressure. And uh I thought I I understand that Atlanta's gonna play the way Atlanta wants to play. Uh and they're gonna play us against that way, even though they could probably have six some success this early in our preseason pressuring us. Um, but if you look at the context of the game, I think that was a choice because uh, we were starting two guys in, in, in Ethan Gordon, Colin Stripling, who were not center backs. 
yes, I understand that Colin Stripling was a starting center back literally all of last year. Um, but I maintain that he's he's truly a midfielder who has been converted as a center back. And I think I think if, if you look at the way um if you look at the way that that they came out staying in the mid block, uh, it really gave us the opportunity to get some passes together, uh, kind of come into the game a little bit. I thought when Atlanta did pressure, they were they they, they put us under pressure, and obviously they 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 drew, got a goal directly off of that kind of pressure. Um, I thought we were able to start the game well. The the, the passing reminded me of CFC last year. It reminded me of what Rod Underwood wants out of this team. Um, I thought, you know, you had outside backs tucking in. You had um, you had the left side getting getting high and wide more often, uh, which makes a lot of sense considering Joseph Perez is left-footed. Um, it, it's not surprising that he was able to, to hug the touchline so often. I, um, I, I'm not sure I actually agree I thought, with that. I thought, I thought Richard Dixon... I think that we saw that I mean, he, 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 say, he stayed wide some, but he also tucked in a lot, too. I think while I agree that he did a thing that Travis Ward didn't do much last season, which was stay on the touchline because he was left-footed, he was very often, when re-watching that first half, tucked in next to Richard Dixon. And not always, but like he did a lot of going forward, coming back, and cutting in, very much an L-shape. Uh, and I, I, what I, didn't expect him to, I did not expect him to be as inside as he was as often as he was. Okay, I see what you're saying. I, I was I was expecting much in in, in the similar vein of, of the outside backs tucking in when when appropriate, staying there and then recycling back to the normal position. I guess my point is from the left side of the field. Um, in in contrast to last year, Travis Ward would, would touch the touch line, but he was always because he was right footed. He was always a little bit inverted all the time. When JP was actually out wide, he was heels on the touch line. Um, and I think that opened up some opportunities fairly early in the game. I, I really like where Alex McGrath was, uh, just in terms of kind of where he is in preseason. He looked, he he looked very very good. He was picking the ball up. He was driving forward. He was making the passes. He he essentially ran around a guy who gets five hundred fifty thousand dollars a year to play soccer. Uh, Atlanta spent money on on Matthias uh, Rosato. And he, he made he made him look terrible. Um, Richard Dixon is is by is an unbelievable player. Um, his, his quality and his in his soccer IQ shows up so often. Obviously, he's got physical ability, um, but I think I think Richard's brain in terms of possession system uh, has has developed so 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 well, and I. I was I was at the first preseason game last year against Beeman United that scrimmage seven days into the, into the campaign, seven days into preseason, and and Richard was struggling to get to get things, which is natural because he had never played in a system like this before. Uh, the difference the difference is was staggering last year to this year, and I think that's a credit to Rod and it's a credit to to the guys that that he brought back. And it's it shows that the kind of continuity from from last year to this year in certain key key areas uh, was really beneficial in, in in a game that we played like against Atlanta. Um, so uh, hats off to those guys. And obviously, let's just let's just get to it. Uh, Marcus had two goals. 
Damien eviscerated some people. Um, I mean, you had, you had, you know, Atlanta doesn't have a striker yet. They're probably about to sign one from Celtic, but they did, you know, right after the game, they still didn't have anyone but Jackson Conway. And you've got Atlanta fans saying, well, maybe we should just sign, you know, their striker. And what are we doing? Not signing, you know, the the 19, 20 year old Damian Rodriguez. Hey, by the way, they can have either of those guys if they want to pay, I don't know, about a million dollars for each one. That seems fair. They're paying. Uh, a, they're paying a whole lot. Me. They're paying a whole lot more than that for a lot less production. So I think about a million per guy. That that feels fair. <laughs> That's at a nice discount because you know they're close to us and and we want you know we want them to have nice things sometimes. That's well, maybe that maybe that's just you there. Okay, I don't want them to have nice I, things ever. I, I mean, Breezy, I'm I'm curious. I, I'm I'm curious for you, like when you when you watch the game live and when you watch the game the the first thirty seven times that you have sense what were your what were some of your impressions man so um i'll just i'm gonna skip to one of my three key takeaways um which was that the continuity was notable and good we looked like chattanooga football club we looked like cfc our identity against an mls team now you mentioned that that mls team in atlanta did not pressure as much as maybe they could have and they certainly had some pressing triggers because there were moments in rewatching that game and you are not kidding i have rewatched it like seven times um, and it's not like, I mean, I'm, I'm doing other things sometimes and I'm just re- watching it sometimes, but, uh, there's a lot of pressing triggers where they do come forward and they do cause some trouble, but we also pass our way through it some of the time. Um, and we, when they press, we're not in a terrible place. And when they don't press, we were able to work the ball around. Now I realized that it, Rod said something in the, in the post game interview, he said, Atlanta did not play us like this was a regular season MLS game. And it'd be unfair to suggest that we played as well as Atlanta and that we are as good as Atlanta. Like, that's just a dumb thing to say. That was, that's the, I'm paraphrasing what he said. And I agree with that. Like, Atlanta didn't take this game super seriously. However, we looked like Chattanooga Football Club against Atlanta which there's not, I don't believe because of the, the wage bill gap, right? The, the difference between the, the money that's being paid for our roster and their roster, you know, let's say that let's pretend that CFC is worth $20 million. To me, it's worth a lot more, but you know, let's, let's say on the open market, CFC was worth $20 million. For example, Atlanta United is probably closer to a billion dollars. Like that's, that's the difference in size of these clubs. And on Saturday, we looked to be, not just as good necessarily, because I don't know if that's quite fair, but we look to be able to hold our own and look like our own identity. There's not a world in which we should look like who we're supposed to look like against them or who we want to, I should say, look like against them. That's not how it's supposed to work. And I was really, really happy. So something I complained about in the last and we we disagreed on was continuity, right? And I wanted to see... You know, I said I was worried about continuity, and then like I, I wanted some of the younger guys, which, by the way, some of those younger guys actually looked good in the second half, which was awesome. But... I wanted to see continuity and I was and and continue to be a little bit nervous about the amount of players we're returning because I think the more players you return in a Rod Underwood coached system, potentially the better you are because you can build on those building blocks. Well, one thing that happened is the beginning of last off last season when we saw a lot of players, including Richard Dixon, still learning that position, that new six position, the, the new system in this game. Even though it wasn't our first choice center backs, even though it was a brand new right back and brand new left back and brand new goalkeeper. Uh, it was the midfield was obviously uh, two of the three had played for Rod, but one was a new, one of them was a new midfielder, and then the front three were players that had played last season. But I don't know without Taylor, and you know potentially depending on where Mumu's going to start or where Damian's going to start, might not be our first choice front three. We looked like Chattanooga Football Club. We passed it well. We kept the ball. 
I mean, we played with a particular identity, and that continuity looked to have carried over in a significant way from from last season, even more so than last season starting six Stumptown guys or whatever it was at the beginning of the year. So I was really, really happy to see that, and that was my, my first big takeaway, but also like a thing that really, really surprised me on rewatch because I kept rewatching, going, was I like, was I crazy watching this to feel like we looked pretty good, and we did look pretty good. Um, I will also mention that those. The, all the goals that were scored were um, interesting. So Atlanta's goals, um, just real quick, the one of them comes off of just a mistake from Ethan Corrin. Um, John Antoine passes him the ball. Either John Antoine doesn't say anything to him, and I don't know. I can't. You know, I'm not trying to break that down on that. Maybe he's supposed to say something to him, and he doesn't, and he turns. But he doesn't know the guy's coming, pressing on his shoulder. And he starts to turn, and he just takes the ball away and scores. And Ethan's obviously immediately holding up his hand, going, my bad, my bad. And so that's a bummer. One of the other ones comes on a really unlucky miscommunication bounce thing that goes on. So it's a it's a pass to Jonathan Perez in the middle. The ball gets turned over. They're coming downhill. Um, Araujo's, or I can't say his name, Araju or whatever they were saying on the broadcast. I'm, I'm not, my Portuguese is bad, so apologies. But his... His cut in was very, very aggressive, very good. And still, Colin Stripling managed to get a foot on it, but it takes an unlucky bounce, bounces right over Jean, and he can't get to it. And you can see the frustration between uh, Jean Antoine and both center backs right after that play. You can see there was miscommunication. And that's like a preseason jitters thing, I think, because I think that's cleaned up. Um, I don't think that that happens. I think Jean Antoine either gets that or Colin Stripling doesn't get an unlucky bounce, one of the two. And if, if Jean Antoine stays back and Colin Stripling gets that bounce, John Antoine cleans it up. So it's like, it's just really unlucky. Uh, but also it's one of those things that happens, right? And then their other goal, what was their other goal? Um, a penalty. A penalty, yeah. And look, that's it. That's a trialist being nervous. That's also, a, we have a player down. Um, yeah, and, and Richard Dixon honestly makes a makes a very interesting choice to back heel it back, right back to Atlanta. So like, those are all like preseason things. Nothing that made me super worried about how we're going to play number one, because I don't, I expect Colin Stripling might be one of our starting center backs. You and I made a case last episode. If you guys, if you haven't listened to last episode, we made a pretty, I think strong case that we think he should be the 12th man who starts 75% of games, but at five different positions, but Colin Stripling might be the first, one of the first choice center backs. You never know, but I don't think Ethan Corrin's going to be at least at start the season. And, and I also think even if, whatever our defense looks like now, it will look very different after six weeks of preseason and then playing together. This is one week of them playing together. So I'm not concerned about how the defense looked um, because I think there's a lot of work still to do with potentially there only being one of the four that were there as actual defensive starters. Um, the other piece is on our goals we scored, uh, Marcus did Marcus things. It, he did exactly what he, he... He picked up exactly where he left off. Um, the first one was... Ali, Ali, I don't know. First of all, I don't know what Braguzan is doing there. It's absolutely indefensible and moronic, and I loved it. Uh, he goes and saves the ball when it's going out of bounds and knocks it right back. Ali Jaimes, Johnny on the spot, very quick to get to it. And you see, as the ball comes back in, Marcus immediately recognizes it. And this is the thing that makes, I mean, there's a lot of things that make Stryker special, but Marcus's brain is very good and very quick. And he sees it, he takes two steps back. Uh, repositions himself as Ali Hymas is getting the ball. Ali plays it straight in, one-time finish. And it's just really good fox in the box. It's a thing we talked about all last season, and he did it against Atlanta United to begin with. That was fantastic. The second goal is 
him treating those these MLS defenders like they are Flower City defenders. Like he takes an extra touch, Marcus gets a deflected ball, dribbles it all the way down the side, and like I I can't tell from the eleven camera, so maybe he has a little shimmy with his hips or something to like send. I think it's Miles Robinson sprawling out on the ground and sliding, and Braguzon going down early. But he just takes an extra touch and goes right around the outside of both of them. I mean, it's just he just treats them like Flower City defenders, which was just chef's kiss beautiful. And then that third goal is the only out of... So I do think that Marcus goal, you could argue that second goal, is a goal that we will see probably during the season. I don't think you're going to see a goalkeeper go out and save it right to Ali Jaimez and drop it back. Like, if we do, great. Love that. But I don't. that's not a real common goal. I do think the second goal you might see from Marcus during the season, something like that. But that third goal is, is the special one. So that third goal is the one that has all the online discourse of joking around but also kind of serious we're like can we sign the kid from Dalton High School to be on Atlanta please from all the Atlanta fans and he's 20 years old Damian is 20 years old he's entering year two of his professional like contract that includes playing year round and having school right I was explaining this to some friends who, who weren't familiar with CFC per, super familiar with CFC um, earlier today and like it's a really special deal for Damian I think and it's a really special deal for Chattanooga Football Club because if this works it is as it, has, as it appears to be working, this is an alternative to college soccer. And we talked about it on the show before, but it bears repeating. It's 10 months of training as opposed to four months of training. So if, if you want to go to school and not and maybe potentially play professional soccer, you should go to college. And you should do the college thing because you need to get that college degree for free and then play college soccer. But if you're pretty sure you want to try to play professional soccer and then also try to get an education, playing four months a year in college doesn't cut it development, developmentally. So... Playing 10 months a year for Damian is super important, and he gets to take classes at UTC, have those reimbursed by the club, like, it's part of his contract. Like, those are, that's super important, super wonderful, and I hope, it is 45 minutes, and I know you said at the beginning of the show, don't over, don't overanalyze and don't overextrapolate, but Matthew, Damian looks like he might have taken that, uh, that step we were all hoping he might take in this offseason. It's still early, you never know, it's only 45 minutes, so I'm not going to put those expectations on him, but what I will say is, and then I'll let you respond to this this very long diatribe of mine. If this Damian Rodriguez, the one we saw on Saturday that in that first half, if that Damian Rodriguez is the one we're gonna have, and by the way, the one they just shouted out on Football Americas, I just watched Football Americas, and they have they shout out Damian Rodriguez from Dalton High School. Like it's it's so good. And if anybody hasn't seen it, like I'm sure it'll be up on 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 Twitter sometime soon from as people are discovering it, whatever else. If that's the Damian Rodriguez we have this season. We are going to be something special and a real, real problem. Yeah, I actually I don't disagree whatsoever with with that last statement. Um, I just, yeah, he he was he was real good. He was real good on Saturday. Um, I I don't I, I'm not going to take issue with anything you said um, in in terms of the goals in terms of the the, the play. I do think it's interesting. I was surprised uh, on the second goal. It, Damien starts the move with with a cross into the box. That's and, and, and it's the clearance that goes to Mataya Mwape, who kind of mishandles the the clearance out, uh, and then that he's shooting the ball that gets deflected, and that's when how Marcus ends up with it. And Marcus um, does Marcus, but shit. The, the way the way Damien gets the ball though uh, is something I was a bit surprised to see for a preseason match for for us. Uh, it comes when I think I believe it's JP. Uh, Joseph Perez uh, plays a ball in uh, from the the left side sideline to Richard Dixon, and Richard just turns and faces and drops a big diagonal. 
uh, to Damien in in some space. And that's not something I would have expected to see in preseason. I would I would have thought that, and I would have thought that there would have been a little bit more, uh, uh, may in coaching. And, and I'd be curious to hear about from Rod one day about it. Uh, in terms of like keep the ball on the ground, keep the passes relatively short. Uh, you know, keep keep working, keep moving within the offense, and 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 don't don't really try for anything long. Don't try for anything crazy, big diagonals and things like that. And and I'm curious, I'm curious if that if that was if that was built in or if that was something that uh, became in of like the flow of the match because all of a sudden there have been a couple goals scored and we're, we're getting interesting here. I think I think you're exactly right. Last last preseason we saw an absolute dogmatic like commitment. And we saw this in the Atlanta United uh, game that we played in the Open Cup at their place at K- in Kennesaw. Like we had a dogmatic approach to we are going to play our game. And Marcus said something in the uh, post-game press conference where he said, if we didn't play our game for 90 minutes, that was a wasted 90 minutes because we're playing for to prepare for this season. We're not playing to beat Atlanta United, though we tied them and that was great. I'm putting a few words in Marcus's mouth, but he said, we would have, we would have wasted those 90 minutes. And like, I think that's absolutely true. And that is how Rod has players approach this. However, I do think one of the reasons maybe you didn't see this unbelievably dogmatic approach, like we, I think we saw a lot of keeping on the ground and we played with our identity and how we, but we played a little bit longer. I'm guessing because we have more players with more experience in this system. And I think they are more free to make their own decisions. And I think that's a really, really cool thing for my like continuity building on second year. How are we going to be different? Maybe we won't have to see the the Valley United game where we did nothing but play it on the ground and almost give up a goal for like 30 straight minutes. Remember that? How frustrating that was? Maybe we won't have to see that this year. Maybe we'll already be further along. And we're week one of the longest preseason of Chattanooga Football Club history. If you think about it, we started more players uh, that returned from 2022 than than players that were, were new to us. So True. Um, that that could also be one reason why. Let's talk briefly about the second half. Uh, so at at halftime, uh, all eleven players for CFC, all eleven players for Atlanta are, are subbed out. It's three three. It would remain three three. Uh, only three players uh, from from CFC, or there are only three players that are contracted with CFC played in the second half. Uh, Jonathan Burke, uh, one of the new goalkeepers. Happy birthday! Uh, was the second half goalkeeper. And then Fabian Rodriguez and Hugo Martinez, both on academy contracts, played. And uh, along with, uh, and I'm actually going to go through their names, Andres Jackson, Taylor Kroll, uh, Jake Krim, Nick Burns. That was your back four. You had Abdul Koistra uh, as, as the six. I think it was more of like kind of a 4-1-4-1. Four, one, four, one. Uh, so I'm going to go right to left in, in a bank of four. Right midfield, Damian Rodriguez, or I'm sorry, Fabian Rodriguez. Center midfield, Hugo Martinez. Center midfielder, Tom Marriott. Left midfielder, Leonardo Acosta. And striker, Joseph Boone. Uh, and I will note that, that three additional players played the, the final two minutes of the game. Uh, those players were Noah Sikora, uh, or Sikoria, uh, Caleb Tammy, and Costa Domart, Domarat. Ski. That is a solid uh, try. I believe, I believe it's Ukrainian. Um, don't actually technically know for certain Tammy and 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 um, and Costa just because uh, I only had last names to work with, so I'm kind of just guessing. 
uh, based on kind of players that are in the area. So when I rewatched the Costa Domoreski guy, and I'm sorry if I'm butchering your name, man, if you're listening to this, uh, he was played at Duluth uh, in the NPSL. Okay. They were, talk, they were talking about it on the broadcast. Which was great, Good. by the way. The broadcast was, it had some that rough the, moments. The, but the, broad, the broadcast is more informed than we were, too. That's I know. very good. So the, the, the broadcast has some rough moments, um, which it's the first preseason for everybody. But the, they brought in Lucas Penzica, who's done a lot of games for CFC. And they brought in the number two guy. who I'm sorry, not the number two guy. That's not fair. He, the guy that does all the Atlanta two games. And those two were, it was interesting because they were both play-by-play guys. And so they like alternated on play-by-play. But it was really, really nice to have really knowledgeable guys because both of them were true professionals and had deep knowledge, one of one club, one of the other. And it was really, really nice to hear. Um, so I, do you want to talk about what happened in the second half? Or I have, I have an idea. I have a couple more. I have a couple trialists <laughs> I'd like to see more of. And that's what I would like to talk about, basically. Before. Yeah, well, let's br- briefly, nothing, basically nothing happened in the second nothing half. Nothing happened that's, in the second that's half. That's the true answer. So I would like to see more of Jake Krim. He played left center back. Um Looked decent. I would like to see more of him. Um, Jake Krim was at was at Stumptown with Rod in 2021. Uh, played pretty well there before he had a massive, massive seizing injury, an ending injury to his foot. And I mean, it was nasty. So the, he's he's just now like truly getting back. Uh, so okay, I, I thought he I thought he did well. Hats off. I, I thought he looked solid. Uh, I would like to also see more of Leonard or Leonardo. I can't remember if he has an O in the end of his name. Acosta, a player from Chicago House. He's twenty. Uh, I thought he was a bright spot uh, along with Hugo throughout the half. And um, I also would like to see some more from Joseph Boone. Uh, he was up top, and I he just didn't get a lot of service. So I'd like to see if we can get a Marcus back up. Um, he had like two moments that were interesting, but like he just never got the ball. Uh, and I would also like to see more of Tom Marriott, who had a couple nice touches at the end of the game. And and other than that, though, was kind of uninvolved. So I, I'd like to see more. And then, of course, Jung Wusso, who we saw in the f- in the first half as the trialist. And, and the interesting thing about this is there were three trialists that made it from open tryouts. And Rod said in the postgame, two of those three trialists they're still looking at for um, contract options, which is really, really cool. Number one, that open tryouts. And number two, that two of those guys are still getting looked at. Uh, but I'd like to see those five. That's just my personal thoughts. I didn't see a lot in the second half. Because we didn't, I mean, it was just a, it was a weird game. A lot less quality for both sides. And also you've got, you've got so many players that just don't know each other. If only play like some of those open trial guys have been there for a week. Uh, Some of those other players, you know, they just, it it takes a while. The tryout team is going to play on the ground. The tryout team is going to do, do all the things that Rod wants them to do. And it's naturally going to be a lot more disjointed and, and hard to put to string passes together and that's exactly what happened again i will note uh leonardo acosta played at chicago house uh previously i believe he was there as when they were in nisa i believe he was also with them during the uh during their open cup run in the midwest premier league um i liked man i liked I'll, him i like i'll also him. i'll also point out that joseph boone comes uh available from maryland bobcats where he was a um, a striker, a little bit of a winger type, uh, all around forward player. Uh, so I thought that I thought that was interesting. And I and honestly, I've seen Tom Marriott now for a, a couple of times. I saw him last year at a combine, uh, and I thought he did very very well at the combine. Um, and I would definitely like to see more from him. I think I think he's a really good player. I didn't think he got to show a lot during the during the match on Saturday. Um, but yeah, Breezy, let's do some. Let's do our three takeaways here and uh, wrap this thing up. Cool. I'll blow through mine. Uh, I already gave you my one for continuity. It was notable and good. We looked like CFC. That's number one. Number two, Damien looked like a monster. I already talked a little about this, but like 
we'll see what happens. But if if that 45 minutes is to be believed, he might have taken a big step forward after a in pretty injury plagued last season, to be honest. And he had some he had some good moments last season, and he broke onto the scene the season before that. So he's right in the developmental path where he could take a big step forward. So very excited about that. We'll see what happens. Not putting those expectations on him, just very excited about how good he was in that half. And then number two, or sorry, not, the last one, number three to round out mine is re-signing Marcus and Alex McGrath was super fucking important. Um, those were your three goal scorers. Um, they provided a certain just like head and shoulders above quality thing. I felt like Marcus really dominated his part of the field and Alec really dominated his part of the field. And those were the two most important players offensively for me to re-sign this offseason. We don't know Taylor Gray's situation. He's been re-signed, but he hasn't played yet. He was the kind of the third player for me in that, that pecking order um, in my own mind. And so I was really glad to see how good they were. I was glad to see that they're back, and I am very excited for the rest of the season with Marcus, Alex, and hopefully Taylor back, and Day and the reemerging Damian. Matthew, what did you uh, what did you see for your three takeaways? So my three takeaways are this: number one, center backs, center backs, center backs. I thought the roster lacked center backs going in, and I've seen nothing that that disproves me of that. I am going to give Colin a pass; he literally got there. Boom! Had you know two days of training, uh, and then was thrust into a, in, into a match. Uh, Ethan Corrin, I mean, you know, we're trying to convert him to a center back. Uh, I think I do think there's potential there, but he's young. Do I think he's a starter? No, I don't. Uh, I I expect I'm hoping for two center back signings, like two starting center back signings. Uh, I think it's a must. Uh, nothing has changed my my opinion on that. Number two, the goalkeeping. Both John Antoine and Jonathan Burke are uh, a class above where we were with no disrespect meant to Kevin Gonzalez and Alec Reddington. Their physical profiles are just different. They are they are able to do things in terms of coming out for crosses, dealing with, with problems in the box just more uh more powerfully than 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 Alec and, and, and KG ever ever could. And that's and it's been a long time since Incredibly. we had anybody that was. We haven't had anybody that height in since like Thomas Hunter, basically, which is actually predates important. me. It predates my uh, time at being a fan of the club. So, uh, I, I think you can see and, and look like we you know in in some of that second half we were we were you know giving the ball away. We weren't very good. Atlanta was able to create some opportunities, and Jonathan Burke had a great half. He had some big time saves. He had some big time cross cutouts. He had. Uh, I mean, like right at the end of the game, we lost it at the very end. He made a huge, huge save. Uh, so I, I think we're going to be in a really, really good place. Uh, I see why that the staff trust them both, and I'm looking forward to having them both this season. Number three, chance creation through individual skill on balancing defenses. This is the third goal. And by the way, two of these goals are like full-on cutbacks in the box that that assistant coach Chris, Chris talks about. Uh, in terms of like highest creating the highest possible XG chances. If Taylor and Damian can unbalance defenses by winning one-on-one matchups, it forces players to slide over. It forces the entire defense to rotate. That creates gaps for players like Marcus Nylstad, for Alex McGrath to be able to be foxes in the boxes and get goals. That is how we are going to create the majority of our chances this season. That's how uh, if, if those players take the step forward, winning one-on-one matchups, we are going to be a dangerous team. Uh, and I think we saw we, we saw the beginning pieces of that. 
here's a bonus takeaway for you guys uh, right before the, the 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 episode ends here. Rod's post game interview. It's on YouTube. Go watch it. You know what he said? Uh, they asked a question like, "How how close are you?" And he was like, "We're not close at all. We're not even close." Yeah, uh, you know how many starters? Uh, you know, do you still need? And he goes three, four, maybe five. This team might have a ways to go. Uh, I, I I expect two center back signings, but maybe there's more. He said we would needed help in midfield and we needed help on the wing. Be really curious to see where that goes. We've got a long time until the regular season uh, starts. Uh, the first weekend is going to be the first weekend of April. That is when the regular season starts. Nisa released nine teams. Uh, and, and we can talk about all that kind of crap later. I don't really care right now. So we've got a ways to go. This team's got a ways to go, but it's on track so far. There we go. Let's wrap it up there. Everybody, thanks for listening. Matthew, catch up with you soon.